Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. As we prepare to read scripture, let us pray. Holy and merciful God, guide our hearts and minds as we are about to receive your word. Help us to observe your message as we try to live our lives in your image. Amen. Luke 5, 1-11 Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Here ends the first reading. John 13, 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. So even amongst all the division and diversity of thought in our world today, I believe there's a, there's a few things. There are a few things that unify us. One of those things, I think, is one specific phrase. One phrase that regardless of gender, social status, race, ethnicity, anything, all of us have probably been asked it sometime in our life, most likely, and I assume probably by a yelling parent, a yelling teacher, a yelling coach, or some other yelling authority figure. And that, that phrase being, what are you doing? I'm sure when I said that, 
Many of you are pulled back and envisioned a parent who just caught you in the act of doing something you know you're not supposed to be doing. And now you also feel back, pulled back to that spot, trying to fumble for some clever excuse as to explain why you're cutting your sister's hair <laughs> or drawing on the wall with crayon or any number of other things. But I imagine others of you may have also envisioned something maybe a, a little bit less stressful because this question is also asked so often in just day-to-day -day small talk. It's a question that's so ubiquitous that we hear it any time we reconnect with someone or we meet a stranger for the first time. Whether it is stressful or mundane, the question of what are you doing tends to have a pretty easy answer because you just acknowledge the truth of what's in front of you. Well, what am I doing, Mom? Well, as you can see, I am painting the walls with crayon. <laughs> or, what are you doing? Well, I recently switched jobs and am now working at X, Y, or Z company. See, it seems fairly simple to answer, and maybe there are times when it's a little bit harder, but overall, the question of what are you doing is generally pretty easy to answer. Things get a bit more complicated if instead of being asked what we are doing, we got thrown a curveball by someone asking us, why are you doing what you are doing? This question is a little bit harder to answer because we can't simply look to the thing right in front of us, but rather we're forced to examine our motivation behind it. An examining process and a looking at motivation that I think leads to questions that are at the heart of the Gospels. And honestly, as Scripture as a whole, and I think that that's why scripture can make us feel so uncomfortable at times. It can make us feel uncomfortable because we, in, we examine ourselves and ask ourselves why, we may end up at times feeling like our why is not good enough. It's not good enough to call something or use words like calling because of the close association of that word with Christ. And I think that this gospel lesson surely forced these first disciples to ask themselves those types of questions. I can see it now if their mom was there as they walked away from their fishing nets. Surely she would have yelled at them, What are you doing? Which... I feel like would have been easy for them to answer. Well, Mom, we are giving up fishing and everything else, and we're following Jesus. To which I'm going to assume that their mom would probably have some questions, number one amongst that being, now why would you do that? 
I think after their mom asks them this, it would force them to ask themselves the same question. Because I can imagine it would be so, I, it would be so hard to imagine why these fishermen would give up everything to follow Jesus. What, I mean, what convinced them? Because I imagine that they had doubts like, okay, maybe this Jesus was just really, really lucky at guessing where the fish would be. And yes, it was one large haul of fish, but could there really be enough fish in the entire ocean to convince them to abandon everything that they've ever known and accept the call of Christ? Accept a call to follow? And I think learning about these disciples can often be tough for us. It can be tough because so often it can lead to us comparing their why to our own why. Their why seems very clear. It was the literal and physical call of Christ. Which then seems like on the surface that this is the example that we should follow. This is what we should do when we're called. The disciples dropped their nets and abandoned everything on the spot and followed Christ. All right, well, there you have it. Now you go in peace. <laughs> well, not, not really. Because I imagine for most, if not all of us, when we heard the phrase, abandon everything as you know it, the idea of peace was not the first one to come to mind. And even though I strongly believe in the conviction of those first disciples, I also believe that this narrative has led so many to devalue what they're doing, devalue their careers or their vocations or their callings, devalue them by using words like secular or worldly, creating this rift between the works of God and the works of everything else, creating this rift between us and God. But the thing is, I don't think that this was part of the original design. And I don't even think that this is what Christ wants for us. Because if we are to take the words of many poets, authors, scholars, theologians, or otherwise throughout history to be true, then there's a power in last words. And perhaps the words from John aren't necessarily Jesus's last. They still come within the last few days. Jesus himself says, I will be leaving soon. These happen within the last few hours that Christ is with his disciples. And in these last moments, Jesus doesn't tell the disciples, when I'm gone, you best not go back to fishing or medicine or tax collecting. But rather, he tells the disciples this, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another, and by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. In Jesus' last days, he doesn't focus on the what 
of what the disciples are doing, but he provides them with a why for what they're doing, a why that is so constant and consistent throughout the entirety of Scripture that if you were to sit down and count the number of times that loving ourselves, loving one another, loving our neighbor, loving our enemy, or some other variation of the phrase came up in Scripture, then you would be in for a very long day because it comes up a lot throughout Scripture. It's clear that this is something that the Bible is trying to get across to us. And I think it, paired with another thing, should hopefully and truly bring comfort for each of us. That other thing being the idea that each of us are made unique and beautiful with different gifts and different talents. We can see that from the outset of Scripture, and it can be found throughout Scripture, but I believe most clearly it is stated in the book of Ephesians where it says the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. We are not gifted to do the same things as each other. We are not even gifted to do the same things as those original disciples. But rather, we are created to carry out Christ's mission of love in our own unique ways, in a way that only we can. I think a great way to summarize this sermon is in a quote by the theologian Frederick Buechner, who says it this way, vocation is where our deep gladness meets the world's deep need. Vocation is where our deep gladness meets the world's deep need. The world is in deep, deep need. Its people, its animals, and every piece of creation is in deep need. And there is a place within that creation that is yearning for a love that only you can provide. So though the what of what we are doing is still a very important decision and certainly shouldn't be taken lightly, I encourage you to be confident in your sense of calling because perhaps Christ has called you to exactly where you are supposed to be, exactly where you are to demonstrate love as only you can. So perhaps Perhaps Christ has called you to be an accountant, wherein you show love to a new widow who, on top of having to figure out the confusing thing of taxes, must also do it alone for the first time. Or perhaps you show love as a personal trainer by helping people begin to love their physical bodies that so many of us struggle to. Or maybe... You demonstrate love and you are called to be a lawyer who shows love to your neighbor by helping them find peace and justice. Or maybe right now you're asking yourself, what am I doing? What am I going to do? Regardless of where you are, I invite you to flip that question 
So rather than asking what, I encourage you to ask why. And lucky for us, that is an answer given clearly in Scripture. One of the things that I would say is the very few that is given clearly in Scripture. And that answer is love. The answer of why is love. It's at the heart of who we are as Christians. Our motivation must be love, which is something that we can do wherever and whenever we are. And I believe it is only right in closing that I would invite three very important and special members of this First Presbyterian Church Marietta congregation, three people who have probably already begun to ask the questions of what am I going to do and are probably already getting tired of people asking them about their future plans, asking them, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? These three seniors in my short time have demonstrated that they are ready to accept whatever call, wherever it may go, wherever they may go. They are ready to accept the call to demonstrate love as only they can. I'm Ella. I do not yet know where I'll attend college next year, but I feel called to attend medical school after obtaining my bachelor's. I intend to pursue a pediatric specialty. I'm Maggie. I'm going to Penn State next year, and I don't yet know what I'm going to major in. I'm Janie. I will be attending Washington and Lee University, and I am also undecided in what I will be studying. Thank you. Thank you three very much for everything you have given to this group and to this church throughout the time that you've been here. As we move forward from this place, may these three incredible seniors, along with each of us, find love in all that we do and answer the question of why with love. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.